As a young boy, I grew up. Uh, I think I was a bit slow in learning what life is all about. I have a younger brother. He he was about three and a half years younger than me. And as we grew up, I found that as I observed him, as I observed life, I found that he was maturing faster than me. I was generally as I see it, a pretty shy person. Sometimes it was obvious to me that I was shy. Kids are playing outside and I might look through the curtain and see, well, can I go out and join them, even though they were my friends. To some degree, I was an insecure person. I was not a bad student, but I know I could have been better if I applied myself. I come from a state where basketball is the number one religion, uh, slightly ahead of the church. So that just instinctively was something I liked. I liked to do and learn about it and play and uh, watch it, etc. Uh, I watched television a million hours a week when I was younger, and uh, then perhaps when I got a little older, I listened to you know rock and roll radio about a million hours a week. Didn't leave much time for study. There was really, I think, of course, how can I be objective? It's my own life I'm talking about, but I think there was just nothing very unusual about me. In high school, I had uh, a, not a big, but a, a good group of friends, but not too big of a group of friends. And I tended to not be very adventurous when I would uh, be in social situations. Something happened, though, when I was about 15 or so. I Apparently, I had, I guess, a pretty good IQ, but my studies were not going very well so through the school my parents found out about a program I could go to during the summer to help students to uh, become better students. Primarily it was designed for students from poorer backgrounds. Uh, we were from a fairly normal middle class family but somehow my mother felt it might help me so we went to this program at another city. We stayed at a university. We took different classes from various teachers and learned this and tried to learn that and one thing I learned was that there is, as we might call it, another side to life because most of my friends there, as I said, they were from pretty poor backgrounds. Even at high school, they were drinking a lot. Some were going to prostitutes, which I never did. So it was quite uh, an eye-opener that there is this other side to life. We, that summer, didn't do much. I mean, I learned to drink. I never was a great drinker, even during all the years that I was doing it, but... Um, in that summer, actually two summers in a row, I did this program and uh, I learned that there's another side to life besides the safe, normal, middle-class life. Uh, 
We had a music teacher that summer. We took some singing courses at the university, and he was a professor of music, a PhD. Previously, he had been a high school dropout, and that really impressed me because my life during all those years was, as I said, very normal. Things went on predictably. Your father had a job. You know, everyone you knew as an adult they had a job. As kids, they went to summer camp or they played sports. Things were perfectly normal. And this man, Mr. Hounchel, somehow I can still remember his name.、Um, he had been a high school dropout, and I guess I'd known about a few people like that. And they were like way off on the other side. You didn't really want to know people like that. But he then got his life together and became a PhD. This idea in the back of my mind made me feel life doesn't have to be so predictable. If you want, you can step out. You can do something. I don't like to use the word accidental because I think every meeting we have has a meaning to it. It may not have been foreplanned in some predestination type of way, but. It does have a meaning, and also I find often the people that give me or have the most meaning in my life are people who, as I'm saying, are unexpected. It's kind of like falling in love. If you wake up in the morning, you decide I'm going to have this for breakfast. I'm going to have a meeting at ten o'clock with my boss. At twelve o'clock, I'm having lunch with my friend, and at six p.m., I think I'll fall in love. Well, it doesn't work that way. Love has to be something that's spontaneous. Or else it loses 99% of the excitement. So it may be with meeting people, and I find that、uh, people I've met at different times have had meaning for me that can be very unexpected. One of the first important meetings I had, which put me in the position I am now, very indirectly in the beginning, was my first week at、uh, university in the USA. I was in a new town, and I was sharing a room with one fellow. I'd only met him once or twice.、Uh, we'd just gotten there, and、uh, one day I was just sitting there reading a book. It was a sunny day in early September, but I didn't know many people, so I was just staying inside reading a book. Knock, knock on the door, and、uh, I say hello. A fellow comes in. He's looking for my roommate. They were friends in high school, and he introduced himself, and、uh, we talked for just a minute or two. But there was something about him. I couldn't really analyze it or articulate it at that time. But I felt I know him, not in the sense that I know a person I'm talking to in a recording studio or over over a meal. But there was something familiar about him. We had never met, certainly, but something felt right about him, or something felt like yes, we are meant to have something together. Anyway, a couple days later, he came in. I was doing the same thing, reading a book,、uh, and he said, "You know, it's a sunny day. You can read all you want next week when classes start. Go outside." Now that in itself, those two small interactions are something you normally wouldn't even remember. But as I got to know this fellow, his name was Kaler, I got to realize that not only did I feel some connection with him, but he had some ideas. You might almost call it wisdom, but undeveloped wisdom. That helped me to eventually find out what direction I wanted to go in my life. At that time in my life, I thought, "Well, I'm going to university. I'll eventually graduate. I'll get a job. I'll probably get married, have a house somewhere, and life goes on, and then life ends." 
But somewhere in my mind, I felt there must be more to life than that. Taylor, without realizing it, showed me something that made me feel, yes, I have some direction I need to go that I might be able to find if I open myself to it. During the next summer, we had gotten to know each other during that first year, and we became not the closest of friends, but good friends. Uh, but over the summer, he had gone to a big rock festival, and uh, he'd tried LSD. He told me about that, and it was quite amazing. But over the summer also, he had met with the father of a friend of his. The man was a psychiatrist, and he had taught Kaler something called meditation. What's that, I wondered. Yoga, what's that? The, the word, maybe I'd heard it somewhere in life but you hear so many words you don't know what they're about but then he started to describe what yoga meant what meditation meant how you can find deep senses of inner realization wisdom perhaps inner peace and I felt that this could be a way where I could quiet my crazy mind and feel maybe for once in my life a little bit of peace a little bit of calmness So Kaler went on, and uh, day by day or week by week as we met each other, I learned more about these ideas. He would loan me a book or tell me about a book I could buy. And gradually I started to feel that, yes, meditation is something that can really change my life. Eventually, Kaler went to India. In a sense, he didn't leave me, but in a sense now, I had no base to talk about meditation, yoga, spiritual things. But gradually, I started meeting more people who were interested in meditation. And for a couple of years, this went on, and I would read books. And I knew so much about Zen and Sufism and yoga and this guru and that yogi, but I never could do meditation. My mind just wasn't working for it. In university, I did learn about things like marijuana and LSD, and they almost took over my life, you can say, for a couple of years. I was still a student. Uh, in fact, uh, sometimes when I was pretty high on things, I was a much better student than otherwise, and don't ask me why. But, uh, you know, things like yeah, marijuana, LSD, and some other things like that, they, they were basically the essential part of my life for a couple of years or more. You know, every day I would smoke marijuana or hashish or sometimes I took LSD, not nearly so frequently, but it was just the essential part of my life, almost as regular as eating food, not as frequently, but quite as regular. I remember one time uh, a friend of mine put on a, a record, uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which, do you know that? I think they're called the Beatles, some small group like that, yeah. And uh, I'd listened to it literally probably a hundred times before I'd listened to the album and the music. The words sounded different. So many different colors and shapes and images came to my mind or my eyes. The album seemed to be alive. It wasn't just music coming through a speaker. There were some different types of energy. There was emotion that I could see. Not just, you know, you feel an emotion. I'm angry, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm joyful. Uh through that album, as I dimly recall, these emotions and feelings were things almost like I could touch uh, this piece of plastic or touch uh, my skin, you know. They were like really alive. 
you know, when these things might happen to me, I would take it uh, in a sense of um, feeling that, yes, there is something more in life than I've perceived. There's something more in life that I haven't experienced yet. And it's not just things that I normally grew up with. There's a different way to look at the universe. There's a different way to look at the world. And then I decided, I can't do this. I've got to give myself a break. And so I said, for two weeks, I'm not going to take any marijuana or hashish, nothing. And the two weeks went by, and uh, my mind was so shaking, so tight, so fragile, kind of like uh, an example I use. It's kind of like if you're a person who has very uh, fragile bones, and if you fall down, you know you're going to break a bone. Mentally or emotionally, I felt like that. So I went home, got some of my marijuana or whatever, a joint, uh, as we call it in the States. I got that out of my drawer, took a few puffs, and all my troubles, all my tension vanished like a puff of smoke. I felt completely fine. And then I realized that if I need this to make myself feel calm and fine, then I've got a problem. So that helped to propel me, push me on toward looking for meditation because I understood that with meditation you can uh, lead a balanced life without needing uh, crutches. From the first day I learned meditation, I never touched drugs again, even though it had been, you can say, almost an addiction. But what I did not realize until I look back in those days is that by doing meditation, not only was I making a choice to take up some spiritual practice and feel more calm, but I was making a choice to take hold of my life. I feel strongly, I feel that I was more shut down than most people, less able to communicate easily, uh, more shy, taking things as an insult or a slight when they were just things that happened. I still see myself as a very shy, inward person, but People tell me that's not true, but uh, we have our own self-perception, which is not always what other people feel about us. Sometimes I hear someone yelling on the street, an argument, why did you do that? I'm never going to listen to you again. Get out of my life, whatever. And you feel they're angry, but what I sometimes feel with these people is they're saying these words which are angry, negative, threatening perhaps, but I, when I hear these things, I, I'll often hear someone saying, help me. Of course, not literally those words, but uh, that's often what I hear in, in these types of situations. If not help me, they might be saying, I'm lonely, or they might be saying, I don't understand. But they're using words of anger, threat, fear, etc. You know, LSD at some point helped me with that, but LSD is what I call dependent happiness in other words we want to be happy in life that's actually all anyone wants you don't want anything else except happiness uh, if you look at it in a, in, in a certain way and dependent happiness to me means that to be happy I need something from outside whether it's a drug a girlfriend a concert a nice meal at a restaurant a sunny day and if I don't have that particular thing whatever it is then I can't be happy so that's almost like an addiction, in a sense. 
But we do need these things. It's good to go to a restaurant, have a nice meal with a friend or a partner. It's good to go to a concert if you enjoy that type of music. Uh, you get something out of it. It's great to spend the evening with your friends, whether at home or in a club, whatever. Uh, these things aren't bad, but we also need to find what I call independent happiness, which means a sort of happiness which I have inside of me. And I can call up that happiness when I need it. I don't think it's useful or it's not absolutely beneficial to be happy all the time in the normal sense of happiness because we have a range of emotions that make us a human being. And if you meet someone who's always been happy all their life, they may not have a depth of experience to perhaps help you when you're in a bad situation or to be able to express what human life is all about. And uh, what I found through meditation is I can find a way to achieve happiness that doesn't depend on things that are always coming and going. Before I was uh, a monk, like now when I lived in the States, uh, once in a while I would go to my hometown. I hadn't lived there in many years. And I would stay with my brother, perhaps, in the flat he was renting. And uh, we were completely opposite people uh, as far as our lifestyles. If, if a computer program put his daily routine or weekly or monthly routine down in a computer way of doing things, and then they put mine on another sheet of paper or another whatever, they would see the sun and the moon he would come in at night from his parties and drinking almost about the same time I was getting up in the morning to do my meditation. <laughs> so, uh, you know, our lives were very, very different. What I found, I don't know when I first realized this, but uh, very shortly before his death, I guess I realized that there is a certain bond between siblings, at least I feel this, I've only got one sibling, had one sibling, that is... Uh, that you just can't have with anyone else uh, here, you know. And it's not just genetics. My mother, when we were very young, my mother did tell me that me and my brother were clo more closely related genetically than anyone else can be to us, and even closer than I was related to her or my father just because of genetics. So that planted a seed that, yes, there's something close between me and my brother. But near the time of his death, yeah, I started to feel... Um, there is this connection that I'll never have with anyone else. I also started to see that there's nothing I can do to help save his life. And that's a terrible feeling. You know, I've never had uh, such a sad feeling as that uh, when he was, uh, and I never will have such a sad feeling as when he was uh, dying and when he did die. There is a silver lining to things, they say, and for me the silver lining is I'd been out of the States for many years at that time, and going back, I re-met friends and family members who I hadn't seen in so long and made very good connections with them. I saw, I met some people uh, who maybe I'd never met who were good people, and I got to know them, uh, uh, including my brother's second wife. That was, you know, one of the silver linings, you know, remaking or making relationships like that. The other silver lining that I think uh, can come from a great loss, say death in this case, is uh, when you learn about yourself. Hopefully you can learn things about yourself in these situations. As I said earlier about LSD, some people will take LSD and just say it's a great party. 
and others will realize there's something more in this world that I need to understand. So the same with uh, with the death of someone you love uh, or that you're close to is that uh, it will be sad, but uh, I think if you take it in the right way, you'll start to reflect more on what is important in life. For me, of course, my meditation is of an ultimate importance because it helps me to understand and live a deeper life than I could ever imagine beforehand. It helps me to find an inner peace, a sense of universal or great love that I could never have experienced without it. But also what's important in life is people. When we realize how precious people are in our lives, the pain that we might have in relationships, uh, we can see as a It can sometimes be a joy because when I feel pain, the death of a loved one, a person is breaking up in a relationship or a person is lonely, whatever, these are not nice feelings, but at least they can make you appreciate that life is about being with others. Pain is, uh, it certainly doesn't seem as pleasant as, say, getting married or having a baby. Uh, not that I know anything about that. But, <laughs> but um, still, it, it, it does make you, it can make you understand that life is precious and relationships are, you know, perhaps the best thing in life. Just being with people, knowing people, having friends, having commitment to others, having connection with others. This is of, you know, a very high importance, uh, partly for just who we are in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, but also uh, on a more uh, intellectual or academic way of looking at it, uh, relationships help us to grow. No matter how much native intelligence you have, if you don't have relationships, some which will come out wonderfully well, some which will come out wonderfully terrible, uh, you don't really grow in life. You don't become more mature. You don't learn more about yourself. I could do 100 years of meditation, but if I do it alone in a cave, it's going to have some serious limitations because I'm just alone. And human beings don't grow by being solitary. Uh, we grow by engaging with others, by connecting with others. And some of it comes out good, some of it comes out bad or difficult, but... Uh, that's how life is and uh, as I say the bad things that happen the so-called bad things if you have a little bit of uh, insight uh, you realize that it's a learning experience and it's you know you also realize that uh, it wasn't all their fault <laughs>